Okay, guys, welcome back to Rogue Capitalist. So I assure you guys are wondering because Arnold is not next to me. As promised, today we have a special episode. We'll be talking about Singapore real estate. Because as we know, the rental prices in Singapore has been astronomically ridiculous as of 2023. We all know that the prices in Singapore has been sky high. Singapore has a reputation of being one of the most craziest cities to live in. For a person that's been living in Singapore his entire life, I can tell you that things are not getting better for the average Joe. Recently, I'll go to my nearby coffee shop and have a cup of tea. And last year, they raised the price by 10 cents. And this year, yet again, they raised it by 10 cents. And they always say a good indicator of how things are going to be is when you look at a tree of eggs. I remember a long time ago where you buy 30 eggs, it easily costs you like 5 bucks. And then last year, it cost 7 bucks. And this year, it cost 8 bucks. You guys know that I went to Turkey for a business trip last year. And it was the first time in my life where I saw things raised in price twice in a single week. So as we all know, this inflation crisis is getting out of control. And that's why today I have my friend, Lucas, who is a property agent in Singapore. And so Hello. we'll be talking more about Singapore real estate. Why are the prices getting so crazily high when in every other country it's like, you know, things are falling apart. So Lucas, do uh, give an introduction by yourself and uh, yeah, how, how do you even get into real estate in the first place? Okay, so I'm Lucas. I'm actually a realtor with ERA, Preeminent Group. So uh, I've been in the industry for quite some time uh, and helped clients to transact at record-breaking prices and I'm thankful for their trust. Uh, as for me as a person, I think I'm a, quite an honest person in terms of uh, I say what needs to be said. I don't sugarcoat my words. So I'll be upfront and it's because I want to, I'd rather be genuine as all my friends know me this way. So if something that needs to be said and it's not pleasant to their ears, I'll still say it. So some people like it and some people don't. But as for me, I feel that I'm here to advise you according to the best of my knowledge and expertise. So I'm not really here to say sayang you and tell you fairy tale stories, right? Uh, also, why I joined the real estate uh, industry is because I think since, I think before I graduated from uni, I think I was very interested in the real estate market already. Mm -hmm. So also, uh, I know that I want to invest in real estate properties in future. And that's why I decided to join the industry to actually understand more, to know more about this entire market and how it all works. Yeah. In fact, right, that's one thing about Lucas is that me and he have a quite a traditional education background actually not say very educated not very traditional we didn't go for the four-year school that most of the normies go they go in get plugged in and get their brains rewired by the system and then they become perfect slaves in the cbd in most countries so lucas i think most people they it's the first time seeing you i remember that you used to have a used to be an engineer for a while so talk to me how you went from like the engineer into like the property agent what made you just let's just go into it you know without any hesitation okay sure yeah, so one fun fact is that uh, when I was in uni during my internship days, I felt that I was, there was a lot of things that I didn't know. So I started reading and reading, reading books. And also I made it an, uh, an effort basically to read every morning when I go to work, when I knock off on public transport. So I'll spend at least one to two hours just reading each day on public transport. Really like a nerd. Uh, so one day I stumbled upon this book called Rich Dad Poor Dad. And he was like, Robert Kiyosaki right, was the author. So he was just talking about why 
should we even be fighting for someone else's dream in that sense? So uh, I thought that was quite true. So I decided to come out and maybe have it a try, go, go at it, go for real estate and try, see how it works. And I think so far it has been pleasant to me and uh, decent. It has been decent and rewarding to see how I have helped clients to not just uh, basically level up, but also in terms of for those landlords then uh, to find decent tenants to represent them, to help them secure good tenants and for tenants wise, then also to do something similar for them to negotiate lower prices and also for tenants to run secure uh, solid landlords, which are not landlords from hell. I think that's very important for a realtor. So what's a landlord from hell? I, I always hear this term, right? Whenever I have friends like talking <laughs> about rentals and I got some expatriate mm. friends who are living in Singapore. They often say that they always hear like, their landlords increasing rent or like out of nowhere saying, oh, I'm going to increase it by the end of the month or that. So what's a landlord from hell per se? So landlord from hell, basically what you agreed previously in black and white, that's that they will just change off. They change their tune, mm. tell you increase rental, increase this, increase that. Is Not just like rental, a, sometimes utilities also. Is there like a legal contract when you rent and all that stuff, especially in Singapore? Like they can suddenly raise yes. their rent. Or that. There, is a, there is. There is a legal contract. But then again, Tenants are more, always at the mercies of landlord, right? Mm. So, I mean, they are at a lower, I mean, a receiving end of the stick in that sense. Mm. And landlords tend to have a upper hand on, on tenants. So I think landlords from hell, uh, basically not just, they make life very difficult for, for you, such that you just don't feel like staying at their property anymore. Or they can just, I don't know if you came across articles on uh, mothership and whatnot. So basically landlords just, uh, unilaterally chasing you out from their place, ending the contract, mm. everything. Yeah, so that's really not very pleasant, uh, especially for tenants. I, I, I feel I really feel for these tenants actually. Yeah, because yeah. from my understanding, I do know that mm. a lot of people who are foreigners or they get like their S pass or EP pass or whatever you call it, they come to Singapore, <coughs> they get like a, well, not even a one year contract. Maybe it's like a permanent contract. So I do think mm. that they have to negotiate like a six month term or like a one year term in a specific place they can just can they just mm. just like change it and raise the price they can't right or they can okay it really depends whether so basically there's this thing called stamp duty right so mm, when yes. you actually sign a contract with a landlord so that's on paper but in order for your contract to be enforceable you have to stamp that document that ah, tenancy agreement so that's where you actually go to IRAS register the document and then stamp it, which I'll share more later on in terms of our tenancy, right? So mm. what are the things that tenants and landlords should do to safeguard themselves? Yeah. I see, I see. So right, as of today, Singapore has, I would say the demand of Singapore real estate in terms of rental has been going up. That means that the prices are astronomically going up and up. So like in the rest of the mm. world, right, I've been reading like different parts of the world, such as Europe, such as US. A lot of people are fleeing the West. They're moving towards Asia. Primarily, they are moving towards Singapore because as we all know, Singapore wages are pretty high. Except that the real estate thing has really caught on, which is which I'm trying to say is that the prices are going up and up to the point where it's getting ridiculous. And so there was actually one article that I read. If I'm not mistaken, it's from Straits Time. Actually, it was shared on Reddit. I like to, bra- I like to browse Reddit because public sentiment is really very important, especially when you're trying to do like content, trying to produce podcasts. So I'll go on to Reddit and see what's like the trending news of the day. And so I saw 
an article, someone wanted to share something regarding real estate prices and all that stuff. To me, I'm not really that bothered about real estate because primarily my concern is always towards tech and defense related businesses. Real estate to me is a, but I don't know how cliche it sounds like Robert Kiyosaki would say cash flow, cash flow. Like you don't really look at the price. Like you do look at the price when you buy it. He always talk about how you never sell a property. You just want a cash flow for it. You don't really bother too much about the pricing because it's your golden goose. Why you got to sell it? And so this article picked me because I started to see stuff that are getting quite controversial. So I went to it and then I saw, and I saw this article on Straight Times. He was saying that rental was easily $5,000, $6,000 for like two bedroom condominiums. And at the point I was starting yeah, to think, yeah. I, I got a feeling they are trolling me. I thought they are joking. So instead, I went to 99.co. Then I went to look at uh, Property Guru. Shout out to Property Guru. I think their website is pretty amazing. So I went to see the price. I was like, what the? Yeah, the right is $5,000, $6,000. And then I started to scratch my head. It's and so, bloody course, high. Yeah, it's bloody high. And I'm living in a private residence. So of course, I was naturally curious to see how much my place is renting out. And I look at it and I saw it was almost 6000 around there. And the funny thing was, two years, three years, four years ago, you can get like a two, three room bed, three bedroom apartment for $2,000, $3,000 rental. And it nearly doubled in, what, three years. And we're talking about COVID where demand is supposed to go down because of, right now we're going through quantitative tightening, which is the Federal Reserve increasing interest rates, which will ripple effect into Singapore and we will also increase interest rates. So from your point of view, the macro landscape is rising interest rates. Why is suddenly the rental prices like going up so high? Like it's such a short, short time. It's only a Singapore phenomenon. I don't know why, man. Can you explain? From your from what yeah, you can see, like, it's sure. not so much of your perspective. Mm. Okay, so basically, in short, it's really because of COVID. Mm. So today we just look at a few reasons, like, okay. Why COVID caused this uh increase in uh rental prices and even real estate prices. Mm. So number one is basically COVID and work from home schedule. So everyone works from home now. Or mm. even maybe, okay, maybe not everyone, but most of the people and officers have introduced this work from home uh, thing mm. as, a, as a norm in that sense. Uh, and also, uh, when you work from home, you need your own personal space, right? You can't be having a meeting or working with, say, your family member just beside you. And then if both are talking at the same time, it's going to make a lot of noise. So everyone needs their own space, right? And you cannot run away from this fact, man. And actually, also during COVID, COVID timing, MSF also reported a rise in domestic violence. And so basically, some of these people actually went out and ran on their ran on them their own. Okay, so because of COVID, there's also construction delays, lack of manpower. So I'm not too sure if you remember when during COVID, HDB actually allowed those people who already got their BTOs, but they could forfeit it without losing their deposit. Mm. Yeah, and then if they still wanted their BTOs, then they probably had to continue living with their parents or then rent another place, right? Mm. And then, of course, uh, not forgetting that uh, our government actually dealt with uh, dealt with COVID in quite a swift and uh, efficient manner. Yeah. So in terms of uh, welcoming foreigners into Singapore for work, okay. Look, I'm 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 in no ways dissing foreigners, uh, because ultimately Singapore is very highly dependent on foreigners, especially in terms of their brains and whatnot. And in no way that I'm dissing Singaporeans also, just disclaimer, okay? Because we need both uh, one another to basically help this economy grow. So when foreigners come in and there's a rise in global companies investing in Singapore, setting up offices here, mm. definitely there's more demand for 
basically a, a roof over their heads. Mm. <coughs> and then uh, more Singaporeans also wanting to come back um, because of the COVID uncertainty overseas. Yes. And also some owners might want to sell off their property to capitalize on this high resale market. And that's why the government also introduced the 15-month cooling measure, 15-month wait-out period as a cooling measure. Uh, high interest rates. So Can those you expand more about the 15-month cooling pressure? Because I have some viewers who are foreigners. I think most of my viewers are from the United States, from Europe. Okay. I think most of them will want to move to Asia eventually. Okay. Most probably Singapore because of the wages. So okay. what is this cooling period that, that, let's say you want to explain to a foreigner, how would you explain it? Like he want to move here as an expat. Okay, so basic, basically this cooling period is for if you own a private property, you want to downgrade back down into HDB. Previously, you could do it just basically you sell it today and in a couple. I mean, for the ease of uh, explanation, I'll just say, say maybe you sell it today. Tomorrow you can buy a, a, a HDB. Mm-hmm. But now you need to wait 15 months later before you can actually move back into a HDB mm. property. So in the 15 months, these people need a roof over their heads and that's why they need they have no choice but to turn to rent another place or else they have to downgrade to a smaller private property, mm. which some of them, with, especially with families, they cannot afford to do that. Yeah. So also uh, then, I don't, I don't know if this actually uh, answers your, your, your question, but I think I it sort of uh, so. clears up what is the cooling period. Because a lot of people, when they move to Singapore, the only thing mm. they assume is, I just need to get a, get a house. And then when they look at the house, they look at the rental price, especially if they're coming here with family, right. they look at the price, they're like, what yeah. the, why is the, the price of real estate in Singapore so astronomically expensive? So there's a lot of uh, macro mm. things in Singapore that a lot of people mm. don't know. It's like the bubble, as you can imagine. Yeah. So when an expatriate moves to Singapore, they don't really go out of the Boat Key, the Raffles Place, the Shenton mm. Way kind of area. They'll just stick within District 1. They just live within there. It's only when they start to expand, you know, like go into the different neighborhoods, they start to see, hey, they spend like four or five years in Singapore. Then they say, hey, they see hey, a difference in Singapore. There's a difference in <laughs> Singapore. Why, why not I just move to somewhere in uh, Boon Lay, move somewhere in... Uh, Where's that place? Uh? Woodlands, or maybe I go to the east. I say somewhere in Tampines. Like the I may Heartlands. look like I may look like the random uh Angmore guy, or, or I would say Caucasian in the middle of Tampines, but why not I live here, which is nearly half the rent of a penthouse, which I only have like two bedrooms. I can just move to elsewhere. So it's like a bubble in which they are living. It's only after you spend an elongated time in a country is when you start to realize mm-hmm. that. You know what? Why not I just move to the suburbs and live a much better, quieter life instead of the non the, the constant drinking and all the partying and all that stuff. So yeah, carry on your point in the part that you want to you want to carry on talking about the rental. Hey, sorry. Yeah, so uh also high interest rates where people have sold off their units previously, and then now they are waiting for the interest to drop before they hop back in to purchase a unit. Okay, so uh also HDB upgraders, they are renting while waiting for their new homes. Uh, and also of course last I mean one of the other pointers the last pointer that I have for now for today is basically Singapore increasing prominence as a regional business hub yes right Singapore wants to be a hub for almost everything but I mean we do actually do we are actually doing very well la, in terms of uh, being a business hub aviation hub whatever mm-hmm. hub that we are financial hub even and also really the swift opening I think very much credited to how our government has dealt with COVID 
and it really gives investors and foreigners the confidence to really come here and set up their family, uh, set up their businesses and whatnot. So I really feel that much of this has been attributed. All right, not the in terms of how how we have dealt with COVID has been attributed to our government's swift opening measures. Mm. Yeah, to help us to basically have a advantage on the world stage uh, like Singaporeans correct, are seen correct, as correct. much better than most yeah. like you go overseas you're Singaporean people are like wow you're from Singapore it's the same as if you're from Denmark mm. or Norway or whatever you call it yeah. great thanks thanks yeah no <laughs> problem man because we, we do get brain fog sometimes yeah so right <laughs> there's one thing that my, my viewers want to ask right it's normally like rental and all that stuff right so what mm. constitutes the rental price so there are like certain things that you'll be aware of right like property tax and stamp duty so how do you like make up the entire rental thing okay so uh in terms of rental pricing it's really very dependent on supply and demand yes uh your supply meaning how many people are willing to rent out their places to you right your demand basically people who needs a roof over their heads they're just Simplifying in such a way. In terms of property tax and stamp duties, okay, so property tax will be borne by the landlord. Yes. Okay, so there's also uh, owner-occupied tax rates and non-owner-occupied tax rates. Of course, the non-owner-occupied tax rates will be uh, higher than the owner-occupied tax rates. Mm. Okay, then uh, in terms of stamp duty-wise, like what I mentioned earlier, right? So stamp duty is basically for you, um, it's a, I would say it's a form of tax yeah, but also at the same at the same time, it helps you for rental uh stamp duty. Then it helps you to enforce the contract in the courts in the event mm. where you tenant wants to sue landlord or the other way around. This can be actually be that this contract is enforceable in court. Yeah, I see. I see. So in Singapore, right? People mm. always say that things are astronomically high and all that stuff. Do you think there's like mm. a Real estate shortage in Singapore, in any means? Real estate shortage. Uh, I would say that the demand is really very high now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why you really see the prices now uh, at a high. But then again, will it actually dip? I personally don't think so, right? Uh, which I will touch on later as we move along the podcast as to why. I don't, I really don't, I, I mean, I really don't see it dipping because... Uh, I mean, our market here is very, very, very resilient and it's really well regulated by our government over here. So I, they, they do know what they are doing and I'm glad that basically our market is well regulated because that's very important, especially when you have 90% over people uh, owning their own homes in Singapore, which is a very unique situation in Singapore. Right. Yeah. Because I've been to Europe and uh, America a lot of times. There are a lot of people who don't own real estate in America. Unless they live in some part in like Ohio, which recently got the derailment and the thing caused a big problem. Not sure if you heard about it. And then there's like New York City where most people are renting. I think in San Francisco as well, Los Angeles. And so I I do believe that the Singaporean government is doing a very good job because I remember there was a time in which I was supposed to go to Silicon Valley. Then I have a couple of friends who were advising me on it because the thing about San Francisco is that it used to be quite an affordable place until the tech boom started, all the software engineers thing started. And to the point where if you're not making $100,000 in Silicon Valley, right, you're considered, I would say, bottom 10%. Because everything there is distorted because of all the tech salaries and all this. And I would say that the government or like the governing body, I think what you call it, the by different states, they have different like governors. 
And so the whole state of San Francisco or in terms of Silicon Valley really, really got so distorted where you you could see drug needles and people taking uh, needles everywhere. It became a total destructive economy on its own because it was just leaving. It was like a bubble of just a bunch of tech people and then everyone else who were affected. Let's say a person working at Starbucks, a person working as a food guy, they can't afford rent. They have to live like on the streets. They have to share apartments yeah. and all that. That's why I do think that even though, as we all know, a lot of uh, Singaporeans do enjoy complaining about a lot of stuff, especially when it comes to rental. They like to say there are a lot of foreigners coming to take the jobs, all these type of things. I do think that Singapore is in a very good spot when it comes to rental, when it comes to property. Because I do remember some part, people like to jab and make fun, like saying, oh, every Singaporean should be given a home. But the thing is that this type of thing is very vague, right? Because given a home, right, it doesn't mean the quality of the home. In fact, in a society where everything is equal, right, you wouldn't want to live in it. Because we once had a society where it was supposed to be equal, right? In communist Russia, we know as the USSR, we, we all know how it turned out, the gulags and the concentration camps and all that stuff. Not a very fun experience. And so one thing about Singapore that, especially for people who want to move to Singapore, right, what do you think right, will happen in terms of the outlook for real estate? Let's say in like, 2024 onwards. That means this year we will definitely see it going all the way up. Because as you know, right, in other parts of the world, people cannot really afford their rent anymore. Or like people have to cut back on their living expenses. Okay, we had a slight mishap. And so we'll be back. And now we are back. And so, Lucas, <laughs> what is the outlook for real estate in 2024 from your point of view as a property agent? Because as we all know, in US, in Europe, demand is going up for real estate. A lot of people have to cut back on their spending. They have to ensure that they are able to afford their rental. If not, they wouldn't be able to get a roof over their head. So what do you think from your perspective in Singapore? What is the outlook in 2024 onwards? I think I think for me now, I don't want to make any predictions as to whether it will go up or dip. Uh, but over the years, we have seen how Singapore real estate market has performed and the general trend is always on the rise. Yes. Uh, so of course we can talk about talk about this in greater detail offline. But uh, yes. if we look That's at Singapore's one. real estate market in totality, then like what I shared earlier is that real estate market here is very well regulated. I mean, as your things like your TDSR, your to- total debt servicing ratio, uh, your MSR, your and the cooling measures that the government has introduced. So the TDSR, MSR, all these things, right, is basically to ensure that people borrow responsibly and they don't end up drowning in, in debt, right? And also, I mean, despite the, the recent layoffs from uh, various companies, Singapore's government still actually tra- strives to ensure that unemployment rate uh, remains low. And this is ideal for Singaporeans. And knowing that we our home ownership rate is actually close to 90%. Yeah, so I think that's very important. And also strong fiscal policies. Like we have a single layer of government. So I feel that uh, in terms of running this country, it makes it very much more efficient compared to other other countries. Mm. Right. So strong fiscal policies like your SG United traineeships during COVID, where government really uh, pumped in money to basically help fresh graduates. Uh, and I was a beneficiary actually of this program. Yeah, else I'll be jobless. Well, in some other countries, you may not even have a job. Uh, so I really am confident that um, our market here will actually remain robust in the coming years and of course when you go back to real estate it's really about supply and demand right Yes. and you can't forget the population white paper where government plans to introduce 
uh, 6.9 million or by 2030. 6.9 million people, by the way, uh, population by 2030. And of course, uh, our PM has recently also mentioned with all the debates happening in parliament and whatnot, our PM has actually mentioned that he will actually also like to ensure that prices remain affordable to Singaporeans. And if you actually go back to uh, HTB's mission, right, it actually says we, we provide affordable quality housing and a great living environment environment where communities thrive. So I really feel that what our government is going to strive to do is really to make homes affordable okay. for the average Singaporean. Uh, then if you say in terms of market crashes, uh, I mean, if you look at URA's uh, private property index, you'll see a sharp rebound right? even after the crashes in 08 Lehman Brothers. Uh, and also uh, the 1997 Asian financial crisis all the time is always a V-shaped rebound so even if you talk about crashes and whatnot uh, I would feel that Singapore's market is really very resilient and it will just rebound after it will take time uh, to, to, to of course definitely it will dip but it will rebound strongly and stronger than before yeah so uh, really please don't time the market because your time in the market is really more important and it's what truly matters. Yeah, I do believe yeah. so because a lot of uh, millennials are age. Actually, millennials are fine. I think mm. the younger generation, Gen Zs, in fact, there's a saying by a couple of investors I hear is that they wouldn't take financial mm. advice from anyone younger than 30 because everything they have seen is only an art market. Let's say that they receive, they have their mm. consciousness or they graduate from university at 2009, 2010. <laughs> And let's say they started working from 2010 all the way to 2023. That's 13 years of working experience. That's a market where everything went up. So let's say if you anyhow throw like a freaking bag anywhere, you work in like a tech job, you work in a healthcare job, all you saw is everything going up. And the thing is that I do believe that a lot of people are very impatient. They Nowadays, patience is a virtue in which many young people don't have. They like to rush into many things, you know, like to speculate. They, they believe that they can use 20, 100 times leverage and become a millionaire overnight in the counting. And we all know a lot of investors always say never use leverage or that. I do believe that if you have a FINRA license or you are a corporate CFA, you got you got a CFA license or you're a registered financial advisor, then maybe you can play leverage. But if you're like a random guy working a full-time job, or let's say you're an entrepreneur, I would say you would rather have much more success in your life by getting out more certifications in your corporate career or trying to get more leads as an entrepreneur or trying to generate more profit margins. So there's one thing that I would want to ask you is that because as we all know, interest rates are going up. You know, in, in mm. the Federal Reserve, they always say that, especially for this year, a lot of people like to fight the Fed. And I'm talking about patience, right? A lot of people like to say, oh, the Federal Reserve is a signaling that they're not going to rise interest rates anymore because they got everything under control. But as we all know, the saying never fight the Fed is quite true because central banks, they play the game. They're the one that control the amount of money, the money supply. Mm-hmm. It means that at any time they can have an easing policy, then they have a tightening policy. They decide how things will function. So like in America, with the rising interest rates, a lot of things are not getting better. But in Singapore, it's a weird thing. So how do rising interest rates right, actually affect real estate in Singapore? Like it's very weird. It's supposed to be making us spend less, but in the but on the other hand, it's actually making rental prices go out even higher. So what's your take on it? I think in terms of rising interest rates, I tell my clients the same thing and I'm going to tell your viewers the same thing also is that rising interest rates, they are temporary, right? Mm. But in terms of your 
government land sale price. So government land sale, what it actually is, is basically that plot of land. When the government releases it out to developers to bid for that piece of land to build something on it. Right, so this government land sale prices, especially with the population white paper that I was talking about earlier, mm. I really don't see it dipping or going down in terms of your government land sales. It just doesn't make sense because we also know that all these government land sales it contributes to quite a lot to of our reserves. So, uh, not forgetting about these government land sales, but also there's this thing called the developers margin, where you know developers when they build something on it, they have to profit from you, right? from yes. consumer and also about capital gains. Yeah. Mm. So your real estate, your property appreciating in value over time. So if you are to say be hampered by this uh rising interest rate, but you forego your capital appreciation, then I, I really don't think it makes sense. Cause your actually I did some sums for my for my client also. So uh, rising interest rates, you may pay that few additional, say, few hundred dollars mm. over over the entire year and whatnot. But then again, how long can it last for? It doesn't keep going up. But we know that real estate in Singapore, land scarcity and whatnot, right? It's it's going to go up, man. Don't time the market. Yeah. Mm. So uh, some banks also have predicted it to actually stabilize in the coming months and then dip in the following year. I won't, I won't name which bank, but this is something that could possibly happen. Like what I mentioned earlier, you can't really expect the interest rates to keep on rising forever. Yeah. Because uh, I, I ask you this, because I have some mm. uh, people who are bankers and hedge fund guys, because mm. if you really want to solve inflation, which is uh, the amount of money that we have in the supply because of, for the sake of this episode, we're not talking about central banking policy and central planning from People that we cannot see who are hiding in castles in somewhere in Europe dictating how the world is run. Because you really want to know the magic number to save the world, to ensure that things go back to 10 cent chicken rice and 10 cent quarter pounder. We need to have 20% interest rate. And you can only imagine how crazy 20% interest rate is. That means that a lot of businesses are going to go bust. A lot of uh, things will not see expansion. We'll go back to the golden age where everybody will be working in the farm toiling in the mines and you know hard labor again so you have to say goodbye to zoom and all these uh, technological advancements so let me just throw a question here which is a simple one because we do have to ask some questions for our viewers who are possibly sitting in uh, Mexico or maybe they are in US or they are somewhere in Germany somewhere in France they've been biding their time trying to think about you know what I want to rent in Singapore. I want to move here, get my expat package and live a life far away from rising energy prices in some crazy country in Europe. So let me ask you, Lucas, tell me what is everything that a renter will need to know regarding Singapore? Like everything they need to know about renting in Singapore because as we all know, prices are going to keep rising. So what can be done for them to be mentally prepare themselves, get ready for everything that's in Singapore? I think first of all, for people looking to rent, uh, I would say be a good tenant, really. Mm. Uh, you shouldn't be treating the landlord's property like a hotel and you should always clean up after your mess. Yes. The reason why I say this is really, I've seen tenants who really treat it as a hotel and expect the landlord to come clear it up for them. I mean, if you are the landlord, place yourself in the shoes of a landlord, right? Landlord, you will definitely prefer someone who will take care of your stuff, right? Yeah. And if you can prove that you actually care for the landlord's property and 
this actually will actually show tell the landlord lah, right about your your gen how genuine you are in terms of wanting to renew this contract. And if you do actually want to renew, the landlord, I mean he or she will definitely be keen to renew the contract with you. Mm. So actually, it's a two prong approach, I guess. So even in this uh rising rental market, right? I actually help one of my tenants to actually reduce their rent payable each month. Yeah. So of course, in terms of the agent side negotiation tactics, ne- negotiation skills, which I sign myself up for. Uh, basically, I I I spend my own money just to attend the course. Uh, but at the same time, also a tenant have to play their own part, right? By taking care of their property, and that that was why how I managed to even negotiate down for my tenant to reduce his rent. So his rent now is about two thousand eight hundred dollars for a one bedroom apartment in the core central region in town area something like a studio yeah, which right? definitely now you cannot find what? Yeah, something like a studio right is it one bedroom yes no, it's a studio it's yes like... so I'll so say that really... so, yeah carry on carry on yeah yeah so it's really low compared to to, to prices now lah. yeah mm. I see I see so I do know that property agent is a profession in which a lot of Singaporeans are getting into because as we all mm. know a lot of this job security thing or like the way employment has functioned, like I've been talking about employment regarding my past few episodes because in the past, you used to work a long time, get a pension and all this. And right now, many corporations are not going to hold you around. As you can see, the big tech layoffs, a lot of companies starting with downsize because of rising interest rates. They cannot sustain their balance sheet for that long anymore. So for my viewers, right, they are watching this. Maybe they are Singaporeans. They are actually contemplating, why am I spending so much time in university and all that? So this is something that I want to ask you. So it's like, if they want to transition from, let's say their corporate career into becoming a property agent, or let's say taking up sales and all that, what is like the biggest advice would you tell them? I think it's about being resilient. Uh, definitely when I first started out, uh, it wasn't easy. But you got to find someone who is able to support you well. And support not just by moral encouragement, by the way, or, or some spiritual encouragement or whatever, but in terms of your uh, being there for you, feeding you with knowledge to basically help you have a level level up against people around your uh, same level of experience. So how you can be better each day, B- basically being 1% better each day to find a team that can actually provide you with this. But of course, I'm not trying to say forgo your education. Go for your education still, complete it, uh, don't don't give up uh and basically just pull through and when you are interested you can actually contact me uh or perhaps if you have a friend speak to them and i can actually share more with you i'm sure your friends too will be able to share more with you regarding how you can join the real estate industry yeah okay i'll take you up on that in fact i'll have you on next time to talk more about your experiences as a real estate agent because i'm pretty sure a lot of people Especially since COVID-19, they started to question reality. They started mm-hmm. to realize that, you know mm-hmm. what? They like to sell the dream of a highly competitive and fun environment in the office. And when you go in there, it's just a freaking cubicle and that's about it. They are not even given their nice office with a view of Marina Bay. What they are given is freaking pantries with a snacks that will make you fatter every day. And so, closing remarks, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. And so... How do no my problem. viewers contact you? Let's say they are sitting somewhere in Europe. They are thinking about coming to Singapore to possibly become an expatriate or start a business. 
let's say they're in US, they're trying to flee there because as we know, the US is turning into a hellhole with each passing second. So how do my viewers contact you if they want to engage your services for real estate rental, buying, selling of properties, etc., etc. even for my Singaporean viewers who want to just find you for your services? You can actually uh, get hold of me. I, I won't reveal my phone number on this podcast because I don't know what may come my way. Uh, and I don't want unnecessary uh, unsolicited calls and whatnot, you know, uh, in terms of uh, troll calls and troll phone calls and messages. But mm. yeah, you can actually contact me through Instagram, Lucas, L-U-C-A-S, Zach P, Low, L-O-H. Yeah, it appears so yeah, you can actually contact me there. Yeah. Mm. And I will actually uh, reply you from there. I see. Yeah, so have... by, by the way, there's this yeah. uh there's this pointer that I missed out uh, basically for tenants wanting to rent, right? Uh okay. so last reiteration is that tenant know your rights, uh know how to protect and secure your own rights, lah, Okay. Because if you don't, then I su- I really suggest that you engage any the services of an agent. And of course, no doubt you need to pay agency fees. But it's like buying insurance, right? You don't wait till you're in the toilet doing your business and then you look for toilet paper. Because uh, te- the, the agents, those we are, we are on the ground every day. And we will know the market norms and how to negotiate better deals for you. Uh, at the same time, if anybody asks you to actually pay money before, before going down to view, please don't do so. This is a public service announcement because really people have been scammed before on this. So please don't give any money until you have signed the papers. Okay, yeah. I think that's perfect advice. So if you guys want to contact Lucas, let's say you are overseas or you're in Singapore, I'll put all his uh, social media links, his TikTok, his Instagram, and maybe your email. I don't think, I think email is a pretty bad idea. Yeah, sure. Email is fine too. Yeah, email is fine. Facebook as well. You have a Facebook page. I think you have a Facebook page. Yeah, I do. Facebook, Instagram. I'll leave everything there. And so the big reason why I have Lucas on today is because in my book, Road Capitalist, I did talk about why you need to be in control of your finances. Because as you all know, a corporate job, they're going to force you to take certain measures if you don't want to if you get what I mean they're going to make you take it just to hold on to your job so you do have to be in full sovereignty over your career or in terms of your profession so once again thanks Lucas for joining me today I think it is very insightful for my viewers to find out more about Singapore real estate market because the whole world is going down a shithole and somehow Singapore is still surviving and somehow everyone's complaining that everything is getting expensive which I think is a it's weird to be living in Singapore during tough times because everything just seems to be going up in terms of like wages and all that. Like I know someone's going to flame me and say, wages are going up. Are you crazy? No, my friends. The median household income actually increased. Exactly. So, <laughs> so you're right. Yeah. The thing is that things are getting better just that people are not realizing it. And by the way, if you guys watch Budget 2023, there are many different ways of making money now. You don't necessarily have to negotiate with your boss for a higher paycheck. All you go to do is start something. I'm not going to tell you what to start. Just use your brains because I've been talking about it in the past few episodes. So, okay. Thanks, Lucas. Okay. That's all for this episode. Thank you all for your time. Yeah. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you guys on the next one.